Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Guys, good? Guys, ready for a good, good morning together in the Word? We've been spending some time over the last six weeks processing through a bunch of meals that Jesus had with people. We've been talking about food. We've been talking about the people that Jesus was hanging out with. And today we're going to kind of put a capstone on that. We're going to lean into a kind of a a new space in the New Testament here and see another meal uh, that people were invited to. And then next week, I want to invite you to a a special Sunday for us. Uh, The fifth Sunday of the month, we're going to do what is called Family Fifth Sunday. And we're going to be gathering together here as a church family, and we'll, we'll be worshiping together, and we'll be spending some time in the Word. Um, but we've got some unique things that are going to be happening next week. Next week, all of our kids are going to be in here with us. For those of you, you that are maybe not kid people, I promise it will be fun. We'll have a great time. Um, but our kids are actually going to help us teach next week's lesson. We're going to be talking about the Lord's Supper and communion and what that table looked like. And so they're going to help me do some of the teaching next week. And then afterwards, we're going to have a big family meal together. How many of you guys like food? Come on, every time we've done this together as a church family, it's a blast. So I want to encourage you next week, um, we are providing the fried chicken as a church. You are providing the sides. Can you do that? Come on, you can bring something fun that we can share together. And as part of our service, and then as we close it out, we're just going to have a big meal together as a church family, enjoy some time. You're welcome to stay as long as you want. Those are great weeks to invite a friend to. How many of you know friends very rarely say no to food? Come on now. And so I want to encourage you, maybe invite somebody to come join us next week. It'll be a little bit of a different format for us as a church family, so it'll be a, just an easy place for people to come and connect in. So I want to invite you to come and be a part of that next week, plan for that. Um, if you bring food that needs refrigerated or something like that, feel free to bring that. We can put it in the kitchen. Um, the ushers and greeters of the doors will help you with that as you come next week. Um, and then we're just going to gather together and have a family meal. Everybody good? Come on, it's going to be a fun time. I can't wait to, to see what our kids have to say about this space of the Lord's Supper. We're going to have some fun with that. Um, I really want to encourage you as a church family to engage and lean in with our kiddos as we gather together next week. It will be so much fun having them in here with us. How many of you know our kids need to be a part of this space as well? You know, oftentimes we, we love having kids' ministries, and it's a wonderful space that's really directed at them gives them an opportunity to, to be a, maybe a little bit more active than we are here as adults in this space. Um, and they just learn wonderfully in that space. But how many of you know they need to know what it's like to gather together with the body in this space as well? And so we want to make that environment super welcoming for them. Um, and they're going to have a fun with us. We're actually going to have another friend of mine that's going to be here next week. And he's going to be talking with us for about 10 minutes about some outreach stuff that we're doing with our missions team in Mexico this summer and a great opportunity for us as a church family to just invest in some people's lives. And so we're going to be doing that in combination with our service next week. So come expectant. We're going to have a ton of fun together. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. And our kids are going to help us in that process. Amen? So that's going to be our next week. And how many of you guys are, are looking forward to a little bit more warm weather? Well, we got it on in store for you next week. It's supposed to be in the 70s all weekend long. Come on now. So what that means is don't like bury yourself on Saturday with yard work and all those things and be like Sunday morning, you know, 
I think we're going to pass on church today, right? Be here next week. We're going to have some fun together as we get to just enjoy God's Word and some fun with our kids in that space. As I mentioned before, we've been in a series talking about the table. And, and really what we've been talking about is the space of being invited. And we have taken a hard look at a number of meals that Jesus had with a lot of different people while he was wandering around here on earth. And I love what Zach just prayed over us this morning and what came out of Philippians, a beautiful passage of Scripture that Jesus right, came to this earth and he took on human form and he lived and ate and breathed and did day-to-day life just like you and I did. And he modeled to us what the kingdom of God looked like. He modeled to us what he was hoping for us in relationship with one another and with the world that we live in. He showed us this beautiful example of what it meant to, to open up your life to maybe people that are different than you. And he modeled that to us in some really cool ways. What, what were some of the people that Jesus hung out and had meals with? This is interactive. I'm prepping you guys for next week, right? Because it's easy with, with kids around because they, they scream out answers. You guys are a little bit mm, sometimes, right? So who were some of the people that we've discussed that Jesus had a meal with? Somebody just shout it out. Okay, tax collectors. So Zacchaeus, we had, we had some tax collectors. And, and what were tax collectors? Anybody remember? Yeah, <laughs> I like this answer over here. They were dirt bags, right? They were the worst of the worst. They were traitors. They were Jews who were selling out Jews to the Roman government, right? And then they were taking some money off the top. Now, I'm just telling you right now, if somebody did that to you right now, they would probably not be your friend. Would you agree with that? Come on now. Those would not be the people you'd be inviting over for dinner, right? And that, that's, that's some of the, the, the crowd that Jesus was hanging out. Who else did Jesus hang out? So we had the tax collectors. We had, who, who else? Prostitutes, right? So we had, the, the Bible calls this, a, a, this, this lady specifically a woman of ill repute, right? We don't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to her. She was out doing things in the community that she was known for. In our culture and time, we would have probably called that a prostitute, okay? And Jesus... Invite, not only invited her, sat with her at a meal when she was washing his feet and demonstrating love to him. And, 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 and he was sitting in, in what kind of person's home? Does anybody remember that one? Pharisee. Pharisee. And who's the Pharisee? Come on, the uppity ups, right? The religious elite, the people who went to church every week and were doing all the right things, right? They had the Bible verses memorized. They were tithing. They were doing all the right things in the religious community to be looked at as religious people, right? The problem was is they were dead on the inside. So they were doing all the outward cool stuff, but on the inside, there was no life. They were not experiencing the kingdom of God. And so Jesus even sat and had a meal with the spiritually dead. And I love what that brings to us as a picture for us. When we think about who did Jesus hang out with and what, what, was this, what was this environment that he was creating around his life, and he was modeling to his disciples and to the people of his time that the kingdom of God was an invitation to all who would believe in him, who would wanted to experience what, what Jesus had for them. And, and one thing I haven't talked about yet in this series is the reality that that the, the meals that we're looking at here, they were kind of special meals, weren't they? They were ones that Jesus was invited to 
or Jesus invited himself to. How many of you know Jesus invited himself over? We talked about a little bit about a guy named Zacchaeus, right? Climbed up in a what kind of tree? Sycamore. Some of you could sing the song right now, couldn't you? Come on now. Come on. So, so Jesus invited himself over to people's houses sometimes too. Zacchaeus was up in a tree and he said, hey, yo, shorty, get down here. We got a meal to have today and I'm coming to your house, right? So sometimes Jesus did the inviting and sometimes Jesus invited himself, right? But here's what I want you to think about. We'll, we'll get into our message today, but here's what I want you to think about. How many other thousands of meals did Jesus have with the people that he was just doing life with? So some of these were pretty special moments, right? Some of these were pretty unique moments, but think about all the other meals that the disciples were just having with Jesus along a roadside. Think about the meals that Jesus was having with Mary and Martha and their crazy brother that Jesus had to raise from the dead. And right, think about these meals that they were so 90, probably 90 to 95 percent of the meals that Jesus was having with people were the people that he was just doing life with. Do you think about that? Family, friends, kicking it by a roadside. Last week we found out that Jesus cooked cooked a meal for him on the edge of the the, the, the sea, right? And they sat down with the disciples and we talked about the restorative nature of that meal. But I want you to think about, Jesus had a lot of meals with people in just ordinary spaces. How many of you believe that there was some probably extraordinary things that were taking place in those conversations and times? I think so. We see some highlighted in scripture that really help us to go, okay, Jesus, Jesus had some meals with some crazy people, but how many of you know that Jesus was having just ordinary meals with just friends and the people he was doing life with on a pretty consistent basis. And so what I want to encourage you in this morning is even the everyday meals of your life are important. They're building something in relationship and community. There's something important that's happening in those moments. We're highlighting a few of these because they were pretty profound moments, but they were also Jesus hanging out with people that nobody else was really wanting. That's pretty unique and beautiful. And here's here's what I want to remind you of. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, and I ask that question a lot of us because I want us asking ourselves that question. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, my question to you today is, are you following Jesus? To the places that he would go and the people that he would hang out with. Are we actually following him? And that's, can I just... Be real with you. That's actually what Scripture is all about. Scripture is a a manual for us to see the character and nature of God, but then it's a blueprint on how we're to live our lives. It's not just a collection of old ancient stories that were like, well, that was really good in their time. No, it gives us instruction on how to function and live in our lives. I was actually sitting with a, uh, some friends this week, a couple my wife and I got to hang out with and have dinner. And we were just talking about life and the journey that, that we're in, and we were talking about the realities of the Word of God, and we were talking about the things that God's teaching us on a daily basis, and how oftentimes God has to kind of take us through a process of learning over and over and over again. Anybody in that process in your life? Yeah. And how many of you know the beautiful thing about Jesus is he doesn't get frustrated with that process. I mean, he might. You, we can see sometimes his interactions with some of the disciples. It was like, oh, have you guys not got this yet? But notice he doesn't boot them out, kick them to the curb, anything like that. He says, okay, let's try it again. And he just processes with them again. And as we were talking about this 
this reality of our lives kind of processing through the space, I just kind of brought up like, like it's kind of like the reality of it's like, like a cow chewing its cud, or it's just like us, us learning, and we're, we're just taking it, and we're meditating on it, and we're thinking about it, and we're processing it. And my wife did an awesome message on this a little while ago. It's this, this place where we're thinking, and we're processing over Scripture over and over and over again, and it's getting deeper and deeper into us. It's a lot of times why we sing songs that are repetitive. Why? Because sometimes when we say something for the first time, we don't actually believe what we're saying. We needed a little bit of time to, Emily used the word, to muse on it, right? To sit there and meditate on it in our hearts. And then funny thing is, like 12 hours later, Lisa sends me a Facebook message, and it ta- it's talking about this exact space of chewing the cud, right? Sitting and meditating on God's Word. Can I just tell you, everything that God's doing in your life is going to be a process of learning and relearning, growing and going deeper. And this is what we see about this beautiful invitation to come and sit at the table with Jesus. I wish we had documentation of how many conversations Jesus had with the disciples and how many times he had to repeat those conversations. Because I think for a lot of us, it would help us to go, okay, I'm not as messed up as I think, right? It would cause us to have a little bit maybe more patience with each other in our processes and journey. And today is really, as we get into the Word, I want to take us into a, a, a space in Scripture that is some years down the road from the, the meals that Jesus was having with the disciples. But I, I want to lead us into a place today of helping us to understand um, that the table is an ongoing process of learning for all of us. And just when we think we've got it all figured out, Jesus flips the table on us. Something different comes our way. And so today I want to talk to you about a meal that is not what you expected. Not what you expected. I've got some funny stories around this space in my own personal life, but I'm going to probably leave those for later. I just want you to think about your life and, and how expectations oftentimes in our life set us up for disappointment or confusion. Anybody ever been in that boat before? Where you thought it was going to go one way, and when you get to the moment, all of a sudden you're like, oh, snap, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. A lot of the disciples, as they were processing through these things that Jesus had taught them, were trying to figure out now how to implement them in real life, how to live it out in their day-to-day function. And that's where today finds us when it comes to the, the passage of Scripture that we're going to be in. Let me set a little context for you. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. And we're going to read a fair amount of Scripture here. So the book of Acts, chapter 10, Jesus has already ascended. He's up with the Father. He gave the disciples and really all of us what we would call the Great Commission. Anybody remember what that, mean, what, what that is? Right, Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of the things right, that I've taught you. So Jesus had already given that to the disciples a few days later, 40 days later. What happens is there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes on. We call it the day of Pentecost. The church is kind of lit on fire. Right after that, Peter preaches the message and 3,000 people are saved. And you guys remember in the history of this, all of a sudden the church is going bonkers, right? And we're seeing the church in Jerusalem begin to grow at a rapid rate. And it's growing with what God is doing in the hearts of the Jewish people. 
That is primarily where the gospel was presented in, those, in that moment, right? And the reason for that is, is because that's actually who Jesus proclaimed the good news to primarily, right? He, he said the lost sheep of Israel. That's who he was preaching the, the good news to. He was trying to teach them in this space. But what we see begin to happen now is the church in Jerusalem begins to get persecuted, okay? The religious leaders, the Romans are like, I don't know if we like this whole Jesus movement thing or what's going on here. They're getting a little rowdy. Some crazy things are happening, right? And so what begins to happen is persecution begins to happen to the church, and the church begins to get pushed out to the periphery, right? And, and what, what happens in chapter 9 is a guy named Paul. Anybody remember him? Paul has an encounter with Jesus that changes everything. Paul was a Jew, but he was also a Jew that was persecuting Jews. He was out to kill them all. So this is the setting by which this next space that we're going to lean into is happening. The church is under persecution. Paul's gotten saved, not really involved in the ministry space yet. But there's some things that are beginning to happen around this Jesus movement that were not what they had expected. There was some stuff going on that they didn't have good context for. And they were trying to figure out, the early church was trying to figure out, what do we do with all of this? So that's the environment that's happening around what's about ready to take place that we're going to read in chapter 10 here. God is on the move. The gospel is is being spread into the Jewish community, but there's persecution that's happening around this. So we find ourselves here in Acts chapter 10, and we find ourselves in a story that is a kind of a unique moment in the life of the church. And not only in the life of the church, but in, in the church leaders. There's some stuff that's about ready to shift that they didn't see coming their way. So let's, let's begin the story here. Um, and, and, and again, just for, for reference sake here, it's, it's not that um, for the church community, it's not that they aren't gathering and meeting and things like that aren't taking place. What's happening is, is that's being pushed out of the city of Jerusalem into some outlying areas, and that's where we find ourselves. So in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was the captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devoted, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Context setting. So we've got a guy who probably didn't know, maybe had heard about Jesus, but, but was a man who had put some faith and trust in this God, the God of creation, right? And he had spread that into his family. They were having conversation. This was just the way that they lived their life. And because of that, we find that this man is generous, right, with his life, and that he prayed regularly to God. Let's read on. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. Would anybody else respond in a similar way? Okay, I probably would as well. He says, What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and gifts. I want you to think about that this morning. Your prayers, your conversations with God, and the generosity of this man's life, right, is what it's saying here, um, to the poor have been received by God as an offering. How many times do we think that our giving and our generosity is strictly for the people that we're engaged with? Scripture's telling us for here, oh, no, 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 no. Your generosity and your prayer 
has actually been received by God himself, right? Do you guys remember a passage of Scripture that says, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done to who? Uh, Jesus himself, right? And we're seeing this manifest right here in this relationship and conversation that he is having. It says, now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is, sta- he is staying with Simon, a tanner, who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and devout soldier and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Pretty interesting story, right? So this man has a visitation from God. An angel comes to him and proclaims to him, hey, what you've been doing, God sees you and knows you. I mean, you know, that's a powerful statement in our lives, all of our lives, that God sees and knows what's going on in your life. And here's where the story gets fun, right? The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open up, and something like a large sheet was let down, by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Can I just tell you, this is probably not how Peter thought his day was going to go. You with me on that one? I don't think he got up that morning going, hey, there's going to be some crazy stuff happen today. A sheet from the sky is going to come down. A voice from heaven is going to speak to me. And there's going to be all kinds of critters on that. Like, anybody plan that for their day? Okay, so Peter's having a moment. Would you guys agree? He's having a moment, right? And then here's Peter's response to that moment. Don't you just love Peter? He's just like all of us. Here's the first words out of his mouth. No, Lord. (laughs) Not going to happen, right? Peter's in that moment, like, come on, a sheet's coming out. He's having this moment, and the first words out of his mouth are no. I don't think we would be much different, but let's keep reading. Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish, listen to this, our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Here's the thing I want you to know about your life. God will change the rules on you sometimes. Here's what it says. I can't do this or I won't, right? These are the words that in us are often resonating in these moments of change that are coming around in our lives. Peter's no different than we were. Peter was having a moment. I, I can't do this. There's no way. I have lived my entire life not eating unclean things. Peter's, Peter's wrestling through all of these things that are going on in his mind in reference to what is happening in front of him. And here's the fun, fun thing about God. Verse 16, the same vision was repeated three times. You notice the pattern in Peter's life? Now, I just want to help you in your understanding of Scripture. Anytime you see a place in Scripture where something happens three times, this is, this is 
biblical hermeneutics here that will help you a little bit. When you see it happen three times in Scripture, it's trying to get your attention. Oftentimes, God does things in these triplicate format here so that we are paying attention to what's going on. If the first time didn't get you, hopefully the second time. If the second time doesn't get you, the third time should. And if it doesn't, we're just a little dense. And that's exactly what God's doing with Peter in this moment, right? I love, I love this theme around Peter's life. It takes him a little bit. It takes him a little bit, but eventually he'll get there. And here's what Peter leans into. Then the sheet, sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven. Verse 17, Peter was very perplexed. Let me give you a, a, an easier word. Peter was uber confused, like big time. What is going on here? I'm pretty sure I just had an encounter with God. But now God's asking me to do something that in my religious brain doesn't fit, doesn't work. He's wrestling in this moment with what to do, right? What could this vision mean? He, and I actually, I, I say that kind of facetiously, but I actually believe that Peter in his heart was going, what in the world? God, what are you trying to say? Anybody ever said that to God? What are you trying to say to me? God, I don't understand. You're, it, she, weird animals on it. God, what, like, what, are you, what are you trying to speak to me here? God, God, I don't understand. I'm asking you what to do with my life, God, and you're you're, you're giving me weird visions of this, that, and the other. God, what does that mean, right? Why do you suppose God does that? Anybody got any ideas? This is rhetorical. You, you, give me some feet. Huh? To get us to think good, to process a little bit on a higher level than just like, up oh, here's the answer. Go do your thing, right? We like that level because that's easy for us, but it doesn't really require anything of us. Gets us thinking, why, why else does God do this with people? So it expands our concept, our understanding of who God, how is that? Well, because God's leading you into some new truths in your life, some new ways of doing life, some things that you hadn't ever thought of before, and it's all coming out of the character and nature of God. He's expanding who He is in our lives, right? Anything else you guys think about this space? Changing the way that you think. We're going to talk about that. Dude, he killed it. Were you reading my notes, bro? What, what is changing the way that we think? Anybody know what that is? We've talked about it before. Metanoia. It's changing the way that you think. It's repentance. It's changing the way that you think about the way that you think. It's a beautiful space in our life of growth and transformation. It actually gives us opportunity to not be stuck, but to learn and to grow into the future. It's a beautiful thing that God created both in our brains, but also for us in relationship with one another. Here, here's, here's the last thing I want to give you right here. God leads us to these places where we don't have a clue what He's actually talking about because He wants us to ask some more questions of Him. Oftentimes, we, we, we go out in the wild blue yonder, we're like, I don't understand what God's saying. I'm going to go ask somebody else. Really? And I'm not saying it's not good to have conversation around this space, but, but here's the reality of our relationships. Like, like, if you're looking for direction on something that God's spoken to you, can I just give you a good starting point? Try God Himself. He's inviting you into greater relationship with Him. Do you see that? 
where God gives us something that we're looking at, and Peter's going, I don't get this. I, I, I don't understand what's going on here. And God's just saying, come on, Peter, lean in a little bit. Ask some more questions. I want to spend time. I want to show you what the reality of what I'm revealing to you is all about. He's inviting him in to deeper relationship. Can I tell you, if you're wrestling with some things with God, some questions that you have about him, some questions that you have of maybe things that he's spoken into your life, can I, can I just encourage you this morning? He's inviting you to come and ask some more questions of him, to draw closer to him in relationship, to open up your heart a little bit and say, God, this doesn't make any sense. And he's like, I know, I know. I'm just inviting you a little bit closer, right? He's giving us a piece. He could give you the whole picture, but then you wouldn't need him. I think that was for somebody this morning. He could give you the whole picture. He knows the beginning from the end, but that's not what God is about. God is about relationship with you and I. And he knows if he gives us the whole picture, we're gonzo. So what he's inviting us to do is come a little bit closer. Tim, does that mean the painful spaces of life? Oh, especially the painful spaces of life. He's inviting us to lean into deeper and deeper and deeper relationship with him. Let me keep reading here. Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Just happened to be at that exact moment. Crazy, huh? Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. That'd be a scary moment. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. I love how God's working all these things together, right? Both for Peter and for Cornelius. They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. The holy angel instructed him to summon you, talk to Peter, to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay the night. The next day, they went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. The brothers. It was a hood thing. Just kidding. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I am a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to even associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. We see a beautiful picture beginning to unfold right in front of us. A meal that Peter was invited to, to eat of these unclean things, was a meal that was preparing Peter and Gentiles to receive the good news of the gospel. Not what Peter had expected that morning when he got up. 
Not even what he was expecting in relationship with God. But God was setting the table for the Gentiles, people that were not of Jewish descent, to receive the good news of the gospel. And God had to take Peter out of his comfort zone for it to happen. Now we read this and we're like, oh, Peter should have been good with this. Like this should have been a totally easy thing for Peter, right? Like, come on. He had hung out with Jesus. He had seen Jesus in ministry. This should have been an easy moment for Peter in his life. The problem is, is that Peter had been raised his whole life to stay away from these kind of people. Yes, he saw Jesus have have dinner with tax collectors. And yes, he saw Jesus having dinner with, with Pharisees. And yes, he saw Jesus, but it hadn't clicked in Peter's mind yet. That's, that's, that's actually what he was supposed to be doing. And so God brings him to the table, invites him to a moment to eat something that Peter would have never even touched in his life. And invites him into a place of understanding that this gospel, this good news... This word that had been presented through Jesus Christ, and then we watched Jesus walk through the whole process of death and burial and resurrection. The good news was proclaimed out. Now it's spreading through the Jewish community. It had never even crossed Peter's mind that God might have a bigger plan for that good news until God invites him to the table of the sheet to see some things differently in his life that Peter, for his whole life, had lived a totally different way in, had a totally different mindset. Peter had to have a transformed mind. He had to change the way that he was thinking about this gospel. Something had to shift on the inside of him in his life and in his mind about the way that he was approaching the good news. Peter was more than happy to take it to the Jews but he had not yet thought about what it looked like to take the good news to the Gentiles. And God used a prophetic moment, a vision moment in Peter's life to open up a whole new world of understanding to the kingdom of God. When you understand the the context around, Peter made it very clear, and I love how he did that. This was just Peter, I think, by nature. When he stepped into the home of that Roman He made very clear to him this understanding, I shouldn't be here right now. He was making very clear to him, I don't think Peter was probably the um, nicest guy when it came to the communication space, right? I think Peter was very abrupt, very straightforward. We see that kind of recorded in his conversations. Listen, if he's going to talk to Jesus the way that he talked to Jesus, how many of you want to bet that the conversation he was having with a Roman centurion was probably at a little bit of an intense level. But nonetheless, I love Peter's response to the direction of the Holy Spirit to go to this man's house. But when he stepped into that home, you've got you've to know that in Peter's mind and in his heart and in all the people that were hanging out with people that were following him from Joppa there for this moment, this was not a good situation. This was going to be being talked about. This was going to get back to the religious leaders that Peter was hanging out with Romans. And not only Romans, he wasn't hanging out with like Roman philosophers. He wasn't hanging out with like like Roman people that would have been kind of the the healthy space. He was hanging out with a Roman centurion, the people that were carrying out the orders to brutalize 
the Jewish people and the Christian people, the ones that were imposing a lot of the rules and law on them, the not nice crowd. That's who Peter was hanging out with. And the word of the Lord came to him. He responded to it. And now what we see begin to happen is a whole shift that takes place in the mentality of the early church. Where they thought the good news of the gospel was for Jewish people. They thought the good news of the gospel was for them. And God had to break through with a meal with Peter to say, hey, whatever I say is clean is clean regardless of what your religious tradition tells you. Peter, you got to get over this mindset in your mind, and you got to begin to model this for the church, that the good news of the gospel is not just for the Jew, it's for everyone. Can I just tell you this morning, thank God. Because if it weren't for this message, if it weren't for this meal, if it weren't for Peter contemplating eating an iguana lizard or whatever was in front of him, If it weren't for that moment, you and I would not be sitting here today because we're Gentiles, most of us. There might be some here that have Jewish background, but for the most part, we are all Gentiles. And this is where the gospel, if you want to look back to your heritage, came to you and I. If it wouldn't have been for this moment right here, the gospel would have only been good news for Jewish people, not us kind of people. Not the heathen kind, not the bad kind. I don't know about you, but this is the greatest news ever, and it happened over a meal. I love as we look towards the end of this, I want to read verse 34 here, because it gives us such a beautiful picture of what transpires in this moment. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation He accepts those who fear Him and do what is right. This message of the good news for the people of Israel, see, he's still thinking this message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter's wrestling through this moment, but he's having the revelation by what he's seen happen in front of him. Because what happened just above that? He preaches the good news to Cornelius, his family, all the people that are surrounding Cornelius' life, and they receive the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. They put their faith in him. And Peter's going, holy smokes, this changes everything. Not only did they put their faith in him, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter's wrestling through all of this in his mind. It's breaking every form of religious thought that Peter had, and he's struggling with it. But he can't deny what's happening right in front of him. He can't deny the fact that these people are receiving the good news, and God is affirming that work in their life through the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And now all of a sudden, a whole household is making a decision for Christ And the crazy part is they're not Jews. They're not the religious cool people. They're the ones that in Peter's mind and everybody else's mind would be the last of the last to receive the message of the gospel. Here's the cool part. They're the first of the first. Listen to me. The table, this right here, the opportunities that we have to gather together 
can be learning moments for every one of us. And sometimes the table that God sets before you and those that He invites to that table are going to be different than what you had expected. It's going to push your your mindset in your life. He's going to invite you to open up your table to maybe people that nobody else really wants to hang out with. It's going to challenge some things in your life about maybe what you thought you believed about God. What happens if God invites you to a foreign country? What happens if God speaks to you through His Spirit and says, hey, I want you to to sit down and have some conversation with these people. Yeah, but God, don't you know that they're Muslims? God, they're not going to listen to a word that I have to say. God, don't you know that they're, they're... They're liberals. They're Democrats, God. They, they, they're Republicans, Lord. They'll never listen. Some of you are like, hey, I fall in those groups. Listen to me. We all have some paradigms that we've built in our minds of people that we'll sit and have a meal with. Jesus is saying, hey, would you be willing to have a meal with people that I just say go have a meal with them? Because you don't know what he's doing in their hearts and lives. Yeah, but God, they're they're this, that, or the other thing. You know one thing I I appreciate that God doesn't do very often to us? He doesn't, doesn't remind us too much of our past. But sometimes we need some moments where the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you, you were this, that, or the other thing just a little while ago. Somebody came to you. This is the beauty of what we see through Peter and and what he had learned, and what the Holy Spirit was teaching him about the table. I love how God uses a meal, a table, to flip the whole script on the message of the gospel, that it's not just for Jewish good people, it's for everybody. And for your and I's lives, we've got some fun things, I think, to learn about the table. Here's what I'm, just just so you know, you're probably not going to appreciate this, but I've been praying for you that God would challenge you in the space of what takes place around the tables of your life. I've been praying for you that the Holy Spirit might speak to you like He did Peter in these moments and invite you to to go visit some other people around a table that maybe you wouldn't normally have a meal with. You're welcome. I've been praying that God would come and do some transformative work in the way that we think about about what a meal looks like and what it's actually opening our hearts and lives up to. And, and here's what I'm, I'm telling you today. You should have meals with each other. You should hang out with each other. That's where Jesus spent 90%, 80 to 90% of his time was fellowship together in Christian community, growing and developing. But I promise you there's going to be a few of these moments where a sheet's going to drop out of heaven and God's going to ask you to do something. You're going to go, just like Peter, not me, God. No, thank you. Go to another country? No, Lord, that's for somebody else that likes doing that stuff. Oh, it got quiet in here. Go over and have a meal with my neighbor? God, did you hear how they were partying last night? Are you kidding me? Those aren't my people. Here's what I want to encourage you in this moment. What if God is asking you to not just eat and fellowship with your people? those that you're comfortable with, those that you're willing to go on vacation with, but, but what if He's inviting you into a space in your life where maybe there's some people that 
need to hear what God's done in your life, or you just need to sit and listen to the story of their life and open up the door for the opportunity for the gospel to go into some place it hasn't been before. That's what Peter had. The gospel was breaking into the Gentile population, and it had never been there before. All because of Peter's willingness to not live in his comfort, to not be bracketed by his religious mindset, but to say, Lord, you're leading me into this. I'm going to go have a meal with these folks. What happens if we're at a prayer event or a rally or you're sitting with somebody at work and you're They're having lunch, but you know that they have very different belief systems than you. Could it be that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to pick up your lunch and to go sit down with them and have a conversation? And not a conversation of, hey, you're wrong, but a conversation of, hey, tell me about you. A conversation around the spaces of, hey, clearly we have differences. Can we just talk to each other about life and family and journey? And Can we just be people together? What if God is inviting us as a church family to open up our, our picnic tables and our, our, our tables in our dining rooms and all of these spaces to maybe a few more people and invite them into some conversation and relationship with our family that maybe we had never thought of before of sitting down and having? I asked you a question earlier on. We call ourselves followers of Jesus. I want to ask you this one. Are you following Jesus into the spaces that the gospel needs to go that has not gone to yet? Peter set a beautiful table for us here to look at and go, man, maybe there's just a little bit more. Maybe there's more conversations that need to be had. Maybe there's more invitation that can come out of our lives. And here's what I guarantee you. I guarantee you this. It's going to make you uncomfortable. Made Peter uncomfortable. He made that direct declaration as he walked through the doors of their house. He was uncomfortable with what was going on here. Do you know why Peter followed through on this? Because of the statement that he made at the very end of this space, Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. We love declaring Jesus as our Savior. I am so grateful that He's my Savior. So grateful. The work of grace that has been done in my life, the work of grace that has been done in your life, His willingness to bear our sin, That's the work of a Savior, and I am so grateful for that because there's nothing that I could do or you could do to earn that. The work of lordship in our life is the place of surrender. It's the place where we look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you are my Savior, but you're also my Lord. I will do whatever it is that you tell me to do. Church, This is the space we've got some room for growth. Amen? Here's what I want to encourage you. The joy that Peter found in this moment was crazy town. It blew his mind. It messed up every paradigm that he had. He was totally comfortable with the gospel going to his Jewish buddies. 
He loved having meals with them and proclaiming to them that the Messiah had come. But the moment that he was called to go have a meal with an unclean Gentile, he wrestled with that moment big time. But the joy that he found from that, holy smokes, everything changed after this moment. I mean, you know, Peter thought a little bit different. He left that moment going, hmm, God, you're different than I thought you were. But I love you. And Peter's career continued on. I say his career. Peter's journey continued on of both he and Paul. He had to come back and give an account to the council in Jerusalem, the church leaders, and say, I don't know how to explain this, but God told me to go to the Gentiles, and here's what happened. And all of them were like, nah, couldn't be. Oh, yeah. And we see the gospel begin to spread into the Gentile community. God has some cool things for our life, church. But all too often, our religious mindsets are keeping us bracketed into what is comfortable and easy for us, as opposed to calling us to live in radical faith as we follow God and His leading in our lives. I told you I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that God expands your table. This series has been a wonderful journey of seeing the example of Jesus and then today what we see the New Testament response to that looks like. And all of those are wonderful things for us. The question for us today is, what are we going to do with it? If it doesn't change the way that we live, then I want to challenge you today, we're not being transformed by the Word of God. We can come and high-five each other. We can come and pat each other on the back. But if nothing is changing in our life, then we need to ask ourselves, are we really following this Jesus? So I want to call you today into a deeper following of Jesus. I want you to, to lean maybe a little bit more into this space of, okay, Lord, I see you. I see this is going to be a little different than maybe what I thought. God, I'm going to ask you to ask a bold question of God this week. God, Who is it that you want me to invite to the table? Who is it, Lord? Is it a Democrat? Come on now. Now there's some of you here, but is it a Californian? Come on, we love you Californians. You guys are awesome. Who is it? Here's what I guarantee you. It's going to stretch you. Cool part is, God's going to meet you right in the middle of that. And He's going to show Himself to be exactly who He is. The God of every nation and tribe and tongue. And He's inviting you into experiencing that right now. Amen? The table's a cool place for that to take place in. Your home, and can I just challenge you? Don't. They don't have to be extravagant. Your meal doesn't have to be extravagant. We have friends over and we just threw burgers and hot dogs on and processed through it. And man, it is what it is. I burnt the burgers a little bit. That's just the reality of it. It doesn't have to be special. You just have to open your heart up to it. And I promise you that God will do some extraordinary things. Why? Because there are some people that need to hear the good news through your lips. 
There's some people that God has set apart for you to bring the good news to. We're about ready to send a team of eight to the Philippines to go work with some ministry there just in a couple weeks here. And God has set that team aside to go carry the good news to some people in the Philippines. And we're going to be eating weird stuff, sleeping in weird places, but God's going to meet us in that moment. Why? Because the good news of the gospel, come on, you, you got to leave your comfort. Peter liked Joppa. It was a neat place. God sent him to Caesarea. Why? Because there's a family and some people that needed to hear the good news of the gospel. How far would you be willing to go for the good news of Jesus Christ to be spread through your life so that it could penetrate into a space that it wasn't in before? Come on, church. we got some fun days ahead of us. Amen? I want to build some faith in you this morning. God's going to invite you into some new spaces in this. It's going to stretch us a little bit as a church family. But can I encourage us to do exactly... Peter's first response was what? No. No, 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 no. You need to find somebody else. Not a chance. I'm not doing that. But in the end, what do we see Peter doing? Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm your man. I'll do it. And he just obeyed what the Holy Spirit spoke to him in his life. Our initial response to these moments at the table will probably be a little pushback. The wonderful thing about God is He has far more patience than you and I do to say no. He's going to be with us. Why? Because the good news is so important to the people that God's put in your life. That's why He put you there. Amen? I want to pray over us this morning. and I'm going to to pray a pretty bold prayer over your life. I'm going to ask that God would come. I'm, I'm prepping you for it right now so you can just disagree with me when we're praying, okay? I'm prepping you right now that I'm going to ask God to come in and change the way that you think about the way that you think about this space. I'm going to ask God to come through His Holy Spirit and come and do some work inside of us because there's some adjustment that needs to happen. We've been working six to seven weeks on this space and just saying, okay, God, there's, there's some space at the table who, who you want to invite. And today I'm just going to pray now that, that that burden for that would rest upon our lives and so that we would spend our lives in the way that Jesus is inviting us to. And then here in a moment, we're going to have a little conversation around this. And we got some provoking questions for us this morning to talk with each other about. So join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful and alive. God, we sit here today and what a crazy story, Lord, that we see about Peter. But Lord, I, I just sent your Holy Spirit inviting us, God, to take a leap of faith with you. Lord, that our initial response might be, eh, I don't know. But Lord, in the end, we just say, you're Lord, and we say yes to you. Lord, I don't know what that's going to look like for each one of our lives, but here's what I do know, Lord, that you're inviting us to come and to sit at your table and to allow some of our paradigm to be shifted and changed. And so, Lord, today, we just invite that work of your Holy Spirit in us. God, may we not be a resistant people to where you are leading us today, Lord Jesus. But Lord, may we respond to you out of faith, knowing, God, that you have put the good news into our lives, God, to proclaim that to others who haven't experienced it yet. And so, Lord, may our homes, our workplaces, restaurants, God, become tables, Lord, where the good news 
the gospel is presented. And Lord Jesus, we just say thank you. Thank you that the gospel was not just for Jewish people, but Lord, that you came to rescue us. Lord, we receive the good news of the gospel fresh and anew into our lives today. And Lord, may we live it out in our communities, in the places, Lord, of relationship that you've connected us to. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for these beautiful pictures in Scripture, God, an invitation, Lord, of how to live our lives. Now, Lord, give us the faith and the confidence to live it out. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.